Hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome to episode 39 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm still Dan. And still Dan, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be breaking down today? So this week, we are running down... Um, I initially wanted to say centurions, but that's not correct because um, they're not they don't have a hundred and they're not Roman guards and they're not Roman soldiers yeah. um, <laughs> defended or was the centurions the one that protected the king? That was the Praetorian guard. Oh, fuck. Jeez. Yeah. All right. All right, Dave. Still, I, I watch a lot yeah. of YouTube. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so also Star Wars. That's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these, are, I guess, are. Decadians, uh, these yeah. are strictly artists with 10 albums released. So that doesn't include EPs. Don't, I'm not talking singles or splits or any of that bullshit. You got to have 10 albums yes. worth of material to get on this list. Yes. Which is a much harder thing to narrow down than we realized. Yeah, initially. I really I really thought it was just going to be a handful of people and like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, like outside of the 60s, there's not going to be that many after that. Right. But that's completely incorrect. There's so goddamn many. Yeah, yeah, I was. This is the biggest playlist I think I've created so far. I was I was shocked. It's like a quarter of my library. I can't believe it. And like all of these bands, like all the bands from like the 90s sub pop world all have 300 records. <laughs> Like it's yeah. all like, you know, like guided by voices and like Sonic Youth that you're like, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Like how many albums do you have? Like Yes. It's it was so much and and obviously, you know, we we try not to give you the layups and, and obvious ones. So Yeah, so we, we didn't we didn't do Pink Floyd, there's no right. Beatles, there's no Rolling Stones. Right. The stuff that you they all are know. incredible and have insane careers where mm-hmm. most I won't say all. Most of the records are worth listening to. Yeah, and you know, like we we always say with with those artists is you know this we're, we're gonna find ways to use them. So like, it's better for us to use to save them for like the better opportunities when we could talk about maybe a song not everybody knows yeah or absolutely. something like that. So yeah, try not to do the obvious ones. So that helped narrow it down. But yeah, man, what a what a fucking challenge this is, this was. Ah, oh, man, I'm yeah, exhausted. I, I didn't think you were going to make it at the end there. You were texting me at I like, didn't either. like two hours before call time. Like, yeah. hey, man, have you gotten through this? Like, I'm having a tough time. Mostly because I was hoping that, that you were going to send me your list and I was going to be like, oh, cool. I can cross that off now. Yeah. But that didn't happen. And <laughs> so I Maybe, maybe like, he picked right, half of my it. picks and I can just choose something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we I think we put together a pretty diverse list. It's uh, some modern stuff that was a little unexpected, some older stuff. Um, but I think it's I think it's a good one. And hopefully, you know, you're going to hear some songs and some artists that maybe you didn't either didn't know had this impressive a career or aren't familiar with at all. Yeah, absolutely. Got a little vanilla, a little little other, a little swirl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so Dan, why don't you hit us with some of your B-sides? All right. So some groups that missed for me. I guess I'll stick with groups because just rattling off songs is going to take forever. Um, yeah. So groups, of course, my my favorite. I didn't want to choose them again because they don't need to be on every week for me. Uh, Converge. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're perfect. They have so many albums. All of them are good. They don't have bad records. Everyone else can suck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The other one, Motorhead. Motorhead has like yes. 23 albums. It's ridiculous, man. Um, they only have two that don't feature the Snaggletooth character on them, which is really funny because the one is like the most synonymous record with them of Ace of Spades. Yeah. And it's just the three of them standing around dressed like cowboys. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Um, and the rest of them have 
there's another one that I don't remember because maybe it's Iron Fist. Nah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. Also, uh, Hot Water Music, a band that has been around for so long, uh, the Gainesville, Florida Legends. Um, they've got splits. They've got EPs. They've got LPs. They've got it all for you. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, they have 10. Um, they Whoa. just crest 10 with that like bullshit FYR thing oh, they did last okay. year. Um, even though that's another band like Weezer that yeah. we, we were talking about. Uh, Weezer, a band with probably 15 records where two of them are good. I think Smashing Pumpkins are kind of the same thing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. And where <laughs> most people wouldn't band. agree, I think those two are Gish and Melancholy. Or I'm sorry, are Gish and Siamese Dream. I, I don't like don't, anything after. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Melancholy and <laughs> Infinite Sadness is amazing. Yeah, I can't. I can't get I really into that like big bloated, self masturbatory, twenty five tracks. I don't like it. I don't like. I it. mean, I, I look. If you want to narrow it down to a, you know, and get rid of some that maybe aren't as necessary, uh, you know, I could hear you. I could. What do you hear want to do next, that. Dan? You want to chop up the White Album? Yeah. You just want to split that up? Yeah, I mean. I'd be willing to listen to the argument, but I'm not going to say you can throw it out entirely. There's too many good tracks on there. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a there's a few good tracks. I that just just stop I prefer pre goth pre goth Corgan, or okay. I guess he was always goth Corgan, but pre yeah, but he, he still wasn't goth pre haircut Corgan. He was haircut Corgan this. then. Yeah, I don't like any of this. Actually, <laughs> I don't like this at all. All right. Um. Also, uh, the Melvins. Melvin's, I had a couple of tracks that I had to like really hard line cut. And then the last one, if you consider their first EP and album, which I do. So I forgot to say this before. RIP to every time I die Um, with radical that crests them into the 10 album range. hmm. And that, I mean, it was like watching all that shit happen on Twitter was like watching your parents get divorced in front of you. Yeah, that's it was ugly and it was public. Yeah, you and don't wanna, you I wish I didn't get any of that watching the sausage get made. Mm-mm. Um, I love the band. I love all their records. I wish they could stay together, but it seems like they probably have some irreconcilable differences that they've been a band for like 20 years, man. They also have stuff they're doing on their own, so they'll, they'll, they'll be all right. And like those animosities have probably been festering for a long time. It's, yeah, it's not hard. just like one thing popped up like, oh, he, he took my gum. What the fuck? It's yeah. like y'all have probably been teetering on this knife's edge for the last 10 years. Yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of time to spend in close quarters with yeah, a couple people. A lot of time to, to live on a bus with a yeah. person that like yeah. everything they do irks you. Yeah, yeah exactly. So with that, uh, Dave, what were what were some of the ones that missed for you? Um. I'll probably just name some of the ones that we probably already mentioned in other episodes. Uh, so Amy Mann, um, who I definitely talked about in the, the uh, movies episode. Yes. Um, Beach Boys are kind of obvious. Billy Ocean. Uh, that was kind of a surprise, I guess. Um, yeah, definitely a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> He's got 10 records. Yeah. Uh, How many of them have Caribbean Queen on them? Uh, hopefully all of them. Yeah. Or... You know, there's there's just got to be like a treasure chest of Billy Ocean songs I don't know about. So I'm actually kind of excited to look into this I feel, one. I feel like society has sifted them for me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just, just through the osmosis of not existing in the <laughs> 80s. Like, I've gotten the fil- the trickle okay. down. I like, I like how you the phrased The trickle that. down worked for me. All like, right. I got, the, I got the good bits. I'm good. All right. Uh, we also have The Cure, uh, Dinosaur Jr., Depeche Mode. 
uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I always forget The Cure has that many records. Oh, yeah. Because they started so, so much earlier than you think they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Like that, was that Three Lonely Boys? Like that's so Whatever old. A Forest is on is the first one. And it's like. With like Killing an early. Arab. Yeah. Um, Genesis, uh, Huey Louie in the News. I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Did you Huey Louie? I did. Huey Louie in the news. <laughs> Huey Louie and Dewey from yeah. DuckTales. Yes. <laughs> and their 10th album, uh, Uncle Scrooge, or Scrooge McDuck. Excuse me. I'm getting it all wrong now. Um, Janet Jackson, more than 10 or 10. I don't yeah, that's, that's an incredible thing to me. I mean, she's been around for forever. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. And uh, like, even if, if people fell out of the public eye, sometimes the, they're still making albums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Magnetic Fields, New Order, Nine Inch Nails. New Order is uh, another one that like, like a like a Weezer. Yeah, like they got. It's not that they got worse or anything. Like they just changed their style more as they went. Yeah, to being closer. Like if you're if you're a fan of Pet Shop Boys, I get it. But like I was a fan of when they were like further apart in yeah. sound. Uh, That's but fun. I am also. Definitely, like, that tour is still happening, right? It keeps getting postponed. Like, I 100% want to go to the New Order Pet Shop Boys show. I mean, I, I would definitely go. Yeah, it's at, like, yeah. Wells Fargo. Like, there's no fucking way I'm I want in. to see that. I'm in. Um, we also have The Roots, uh, Roy Orbison. Yeah, that blew group. my mind that The Roots have 10. They've been around for so long. Like, damn. Early 90s. I mean, they've been, they've been doing it for a while. We're getting old, man. Um, Sonic Youth, Sufjan Stevens, which is, is crazy. Uh, and Welko, who I think we've mentioned all of those yeah. at some point. So one yeah. point, Sufjan will have fifty when he finishes that stats yeah. project, right? If if he does, yeah. If it's <laughs> I very like ambitious, he started it, did two, was just like this nah, is enough. No ch- but then still put out records like on a frequent enough basis where it could have happened. Yeah, but I think he was just like, all right, that's enough. I like, think it's just I can't keep basing. He, yeah, writing whole albums about states. Right. I think it's a lot of research too and then i think too it's like all right well if i just name them whatever then i can stop whenever i want to yeah but if i make 10 state records then i feel like everyone's gonna expect <laughs> yeah, me to get yeah. to 50 if i, like, get, I can't if just I retire get at that five point. like i have to keep going yeah 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 um <laughs> yeah so that's it um so dan why don't you why don't you kick us off with your number five pick Okay, dokie. All right. Number five for me comes to us from the good old year of 1959 from the legendary Blue Note Records. This is Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers with Monin off of their originally self-titled record that became re-released as the album Monin as the, the song took off. This being probably like one of the most popular singles released by the label. Um, this song was everywhere at its release. As and by everywhere, I mean in jazz circles. This was considered like every nightclub band would have to play a cover of this if you went out for drinks that night. They would have to play Mona because it was so fucking popular. Everybody wanted it. Um, this song, uh, the Jazz Messengers, at the time of this recording, consisted of Art Blakey on drums, obviously. Lee Morgan on trumpet, the sidewinder himself, the legend, uh, Benny Golson on tenor sax, Bobby Timmons on piano, and Jamie Merritt on bass. And Bobby Timmons, the piano player, is the one who wrote this song. This was his composition that he brought in that, like, that little, like, is 
Like it's all about that little refrain because you can have everybody go out in all different directions and then everybody returns to that little bam, bam, that little four one that everybody hits and like, oh, fuck yeah, it brings everything back in. Um, I This record's great and it's it's their first for Blue Note. Um, Art Blakey did some recordings for Blue Note before and was like a session player for them a little bit, but this was his first like homecoming. This is his album. He put his band together. This is what we're doing. And it was huge, man. They recorded it with uh, Rudy Van Gelder up at Hackensack, New Jersey, the, the legendary producer um, that is basically, he is what Phil Spector is to pop music. He is to jazz. Wow. He is the legendary producer. He was the man with the plan. Ridiculous, man. Like all the sessions he worked on sound incredible. They're the reason why Blue Note records are so fucking sought after to this day. Like original pressings of this record and other records of this era are in the range of five to $700 a piece. Holy shit. Like it is, they're so collectible and so sought after. Wow. And they're starting to remaster them and put them back out. So they're getting accessible again, but still those, like if you have a collection of blue note records from back then, I mean, that's an investment. Damn. They will never devalue past what they are right now. Huh? Like it's crazy. Even when records were tanking and stuff was worth nothing, people were still trading those things for two to $300 a piece. Damn. Like in the nineties when CDs were King, they still were getting that much money. Okay. Um, Interesting. It's it's nuts, man. It's really like, like I love to see the return of vinyl. Obviously, I work at a store that sells them, and kind it's of awesome. important for you, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, <laughs> it really, it's really an interesting thing that it kind of never left that. Like jazz has always been a vinyl, um, like style. It's always been that. It makes sense. Be. Yeah, it makes sense. I live, <laughs> live. I love when uh, whenever you're doing a jazz song and you introduce all the players like um, like at, like at each like you're on stage with them like like going around the horn yeah, telling like, everybody who they're in or like and now meet our offensive line for tonight's yeah. game it's like it's you know what cuz cuz jazz really is like you know you're, you're talking about some of the best musicians to play in a lot of cases um so it really is kind of like an all-star game like you're you're introducing the all-stars to everybody as they're about to play because it's just like like they're all talented and none of them should be ignored it's not some like random dude following along just playing the you know the root notes on bass yeah and it's also and the other thing just like an all-star team the other reason for it is the fact that like it's not always going to be the same group of guys. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this guy wrote this record here, and on this record he has these three guys with him, or has these yeah. four people, or these two people, that it becomes almost uh, like almost like so there's some of these guys too that are they never really got their own records. Like there's uh, Philly Joe Jones, who's a legendary, legendary player who isn't on a lot of stuff he's hmm. he's or he's on a lot of records but he really only has a few of his own oh okay so like with some of those guys i always want to introduce him like lee morgan obviously had a massive fucking career and his stuff is like insane his solo album sold incredibly yeah he's an incredible writer and player but like bobby timmons like wrote a lot of stuff not as recognized as some yeah. of these like rock star guys yeah well um yeah, so I always like to acknowledge them. It's it, it. I feel like it's important with jazz. Well, I love it too. I just wanted to let you know that I love that. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I think I think appreciating it's it's important. Yeah, um, I agree. So, Dave, with that, uh, what is your next pick or your I guess first pick uh, for uh, a band with more than ten albums? 
All right. Up at number five for me is There She Goes, My Beautiful World by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, I guess this is one of the lesser, not as surprising ones for me because I know he's got his own stuff and I know Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds has been around for forever. Yeah. But I didn't realize that he and the Bad Seeds had this many records put out together. So So not just Nick Cave, but Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And that was a rule for me. It couldn't be... You couldn't do yes. solo and band stuff. It had to all be one or the other. Can't be Paul McCartney and Wings. Exactly. It's gotta be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, surpri- somewhat surprisingly, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds has a total of 17 studio albums, which is definitely more than I was expecting. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, this song comes off of their 13th studio album. Uh, came out in 2004. Abattoir Blues. Abattoir Blues, maybe? Um, I'm not really... Mr. Abattoir. Yeah. <laughs> Abattoir Blues slash The Lear of Orpheus. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs of theirs. It's definitely not, or maybe it is one of their more popular ones, but I would say if you're not familiar with Nick Cave, his most popular songs uh, have been used in a lot of film um, and TV shows. So his song, Oh Children, uh, was used in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. I believe there's a scene where uh, where Hermione and Ron are like dancing in the woods, and that's the song that's playing, like right before the mo- that movie ends. And then, m- probably more popular now is the song "Red Right Hand," oh, which yeah, is the yeah. theme song for *Peaky Blinders*. It was also used in *Dumb and Dumber* when he's uh, wait what? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that one. Yeah, I think it is. And he's he like. Uh, Jim Carrey's character goes to the store and then is coming back with like all the stuff and then asks the old lady to like keep an eye on it. Yeah. And then and then it was all stolen. That red right hand was playing in the background during that scene. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out Obviously. the elderly, though slow moving yeah. and frail of mind, can <laughs> still, still be used a purpose. Yeah. I, I just uh. picture him in that giant fucking uh, cowboy hat. God. So fucking good. Why would she want to meet you in a bar at 10 in the morning? I just thought she was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> and then he like walks out and sees the moon landing things. We did it! <laughs> just starts chanting. I just oh love that whole like, hey, what time you got there? Yeah. Uh, 10.45. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> oh, that movie's perfect. Um, maybe we should do like pick a comedy movie and just do our favorite songs from that. That would be fun. Yep. Um, so, uh, so back to the cave for a second. Um, this is a pretty, it's kind of like a, the, the lyrics are kind of motivational in a way. Um, so it starts by him kind of just describing the world and things he's seeing and stuff. And then it starts giving you examples of people throughout history who've gone through a ton of bullshit and produced either the thing they're most famous for or something that they're incredibly famous for and like and then it's him kind of looking back and saying like if you can't like how how the hell can't you get out of bed when you think of like somebody penning you know a classic novel in prison or something like you know what i mean like it's just it's very it's very motivational in that way and kind of gets i think at least when you when you when I start listening to it, it starts getting me like, yeah, man, why the fuck aren't you out there doing it's pretty, that shit? Not a not a lot of uplifting Nick Cave tunes. Uh, almost never. That's yeah. uh, that's usually not his nope, his mo- not typically. His MO. Yeah, no, uh, not at all. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a pretty dark, pretty crass, not crass, but pretty dark, pretty like curt and pretty uh, yeah. 
pretty rough around the edges a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. He has like a series he does on his blog where he like updates journal entries of stories from his life. And he, he wrote one last year about, he finally, he never really talked about it, but he talked about his marriage to PJ Harvey. Oh. And kind of how that was and how he was like, we were two like malignant narcissist junkies that like it was never going to be good. Yeah. And he's like, it's just like. And then it wasn't. And he's like, and then I read in the paper that she divorced me and I was so shocked I dropped my syringe. Jesus. Was the exact phrase he wrote. Like, so he was just like, he's like, it was toxic. It was never going to be good. Yeah. And it was, it was really, it wasn't like a, she's a crazy bitch and like she tore yeah. my life apart. It was a really honest look at like, look, man, I did some shit that was awful. She did some yeah. shit that was awful. Yeah, probably like a combination of it. Here's how I, you know, here's how I found out. Here's, and then yeah. here's what I thought and, in the moment. Like, and here are the things I did to cause that. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? like, like less, less of like a, and she did this and I was upset and more just like, yeah. That's yeah, a piece of shit, and that's like, probably well, all I deserved. Like I was reading that while I was doing heroin. No wonder. Yeah, yeah, it was that makes a, a lot of sense. Just a really good, honest take on his life. It was pretty well, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I think, I'll have to check that out. I I hope he writes a book about himself one day, which I think they'll probably release like a compiled thing of his like journal entries and stuff. But yeah, that'd be cool. He's a really interesting guy. Oh, he definitely is. Yeah, and he was from Australia before it was like cool to be. Yes, like back when Australia was, you know, like where acdc got the fuck out of you know what i mean like that's where good like, point good point like yeah. you know what i mean it wasn't Before like the cool, hemsworths yeah. yeah yeah there were no hemsworths there was no you know lord of the rings being filmed in new zealand it wasn't True. like oh this was sick it was like yeah yeah just a lot of deadly animals yeah yeah just deadly animals and but i mean i guess it was before mel gibson was crazy so True. there's that yeah that's true they're right around mad max i guess all right, well, uh, Dan, why don't you hit us with your number nine pick? Number nine pick comes to me. This is my favorite song from this artist. This song comes to us from 9-11-2001, which, I mean, that's when this record came out, which Bad is timing. crazy. This is Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Um, this song is called You Don't Know. This is... I mean, this is, I feel like young kids especially that I deal with at the store, they need to put some respect on Jay-Z's name. This man was ridiculous, man. Like, there are very few people that have the body of work that this man has produced. It's ridiculous, man. Like, I I almost don't think there is anyone comparable. And the only person you probably could put him up against would be Nas. Because think about this. I'm. I'll break it down. I'll break it down for you, right? Uh, you can't see him in the face of making people. I'll, I'll break it down like this, right? Tupac and Biggie, not enough body of work. Okay. To compare with, they weren't okay. around long enough. All right. Younger artists, Kendrick, some of these other legendary rappers, still don't have the body of work to compare with. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Wu Tang Clan is fucking fourteen guys. Yeah. I, so that like, makes sense. I just I don't think. Farside doesn't have anything comparable. The only artist with as many as many records, I would say, is Nas. And Nas, I don't think, has as many classic albums. No. And I guess if all you're talking about is longevity, then, then yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, who, yeah. who's been... 
who stayed as hot for as long as Jay-Z? Like, that was fucking crazy, man. Now, Biggie and Pac probably would have crested that, yeah. but they were cut out, cut down too early. Yeah, unfortunately. So I think this man is, he's a legend, and I feel like, whereas the, the what's it called, the, the like, catch a phrase like style rapping that he does has kind of fallen out of favor since then so maybe they don't like it as much but like dude the beats i mean like kanye west produced everything but four songs on this record and i just happened to pick one of the three that just blaze produced yeah (laughs) but i think this is this song is very much like the beat is very much of its time yeah, and I would say so. I also yeah. like this is what they were doing, man. The the James Brown little samples, the weird little pitch shift voice um, from some other soul record that I haven't been able to dissect <laughs> what it's from. Yeah, um, as well as like the the really pingy hi hats and snares on it. Like it's just perfect, man. Um, and I think I, I just I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it's because I don't have enough enough hip-hop iq to quote it but like i really i think he's kind of in a class of his own yeah i mean he's he's got the longest career out of really anyone ever i mean he's still he's what is he kind of retired now um not putting out any of his own records i guess is, is like the, the last situation. one was, was the carters um probably i don't remember but like i think he he said he's not putting out any of his own music but he still does does stuff like he'll, he'll appear on stuff that is worthy of him i guess and like i'm not disagreeing with you um i mean hard knock life volume two i had on cd i would listen to it on my fucking walkman like like that, that i don't know what year that could have been like 96 97 and he was on the rush hour soundtrack that year yep. like i mean that's a long Scored career the whole rap. denzel movie himself yeah like yeah Nuts, man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an impressive body of work, and the fact that he appears on so many other things, and he's also a successful business person. Like, yeah, I mean, he's started he's an, started title. He's an impressive the only, dude. The only lossless music streaming platform. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's and I think it's the one that pays the most to their artists. It does pay the most. Yeah. Um, I just think like. I mean, even even if you disregard everything, just musically, like it's yeah, it's hard okay. to compare. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg. I mean, outside of Doggy Style and uh, what's ah, fuck, what's the other one? I can't think of it right now. Yeah, but I think people will still look at him the same way. I think his earlier stuff was before Jay Z got super big, so his career is a little bit different timeline wise. But I think him and Dre, you could say, are. Up there too, I would say at least. Dre, not as a rapper. I was gonna. I was, yeah, not yeah. as a rapper. Well, I mean, as a producer, yeah, yeah. sure. But I was like, Dre has two records, man. Well, yeah, I guess not now as a rapper. We're not counting Compton because we're being nice. But like, Dre has two <laughs> records. Yeah. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, like, yeah. Jay Z's got arguably five great albums. I would, I would probably agree with that. Like, it's yeah. it's nuts, man. Um, yeah. and then I'd say another four that are good, listenable. Yeah. yeah. If they were um, on, you wouldn't be mad at it. No. Yeah. All but, right. Uh, yeah. yeah I just, I'm, not, I just, I'm not arguing. I just always think he uh, he doesn't. I don't know, man. Maybe I think he gets I, plenty of. Love. Maybe it's because I work with I work with a, a younger. And they're not like significantly younger, but the base of customers I deal with. 
yeah, are I think generally that, younger. I think that skews and like they're you know skews it a little bit. They're into Travis Scott and stuff like that. And right. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, man. Like Blueprint, and they're like, Nah, I don't really like Jay. And I'm like, What? Yeah, they just don't. What? Want, it's because they. It's it's a different era. It's because I'm getting old. That too. I'm, I'm the it's, old man yells at Cloud. Yeah, we both are. Yeah. If believe me, if I was there, I'd be worse. It's me. Like yeah. you know, I'm there with my belt with an onion on, as was worn in the day. <laughs> As was fashionable in the day. Is that an Abe Simpson reference? It is an Abe Simpson I love reference. it. Uh, so, Dave, with that, what is your uh, fourth pick for a song from an artist with more than ten albums? All right, up at number four for me is the new Pollution by Beck. Um, Beck was not so surprising to be with this many records, in my opinion, but surprising enough. I mean, he had 14 studio albums, or has 14. And I feel like in the 90s, he was crushing them out. Oh, he was, yeah. yeah. But I, I guess that's the thing. Like, I always pictured there being, like, six or seven. But nope, double that. Um, so this comes off of his fifth record, Odelay. Uh, was released in 1996. Um... One of maybe his best, uh, might be his best ever. It's it's, yeah, it's a fantastic record. I, I definitely consider. It I think it's his best too. Back. Yeah, um, this one peaked. Uh, Odelay peaked uh, at number sixteen on the Billboard charts, um, and this is this is my favorite song off of it. I think Devil's Haircut was the single, right? Yeah. I think that ended up being the single, which is a strange choice. I don't think that one was the best at all, but whatever, it doesn't matter to me. Um, this is just, I, and recently this one, this is a more recency bias one for me, this recency bias pick. I just, I've just been digging this one a lot more recently. It's more poppy and bouncy than I, a lot of the other songs on this record. Um, and, you, you know, Beck's, I, I wish I could remember the full quote from, from Bender from Futurama, where he's like, you're a genius uh, folk, like he does like every genre of music that he combines to. Which is so true. I mean, he is a very diverse-sounding artist, which is why he's so popular. Um, God, I just love that. Him being on Futurama, too, just made him, like, infinitely cooler. I heard somebody say once that they equated being on The Simpsons in America to being knighted. And I was like, you know what? That's probably pretty accurate. They don't just throw anybody on there. Or at least they didn't used to. Oh, dude. Bender, that 14-minute uh, washboard solo you did was incredible. Yes. <laughs> um, so this song, uh, it contains a sample from an artist named Joe Thomas. The song's called Venus, and it's basically the horns that you're hearing. Um, I've listened to that song. It's one of the rougher recording you'll ever hear, I would say. It's like very crackly and strange like almost yeah. to the point where it sounded like they intended it to do it that way but i don't think they did they did um so this this i didn't know and i thought was very funny the uh the video for this song uh has an actress in it named mary lynn Rajscope, who i'm sure you're not going to recognize by name but that is gail the snail from wow. Always Sunny is the main actress in this video. I just want to go back to my yeah. place and smoke a joint. Also, uh, the most unbelievable thing I found out, she's 50. Gail the Snail? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. 50 years old. Yeah. I thought she she's was like in her 20s in Sunny. I guess in the, she just in the show, they said 30s. Oh, because remember, yeah. she's like, that's true. You're just mad because I'm sexually active, mom. And she's like, you're in your 30s. You're supposed to be sexually yeah, active. Yeah, you know what? Fuck, we're getting old, man. I feel like 
2020 was like a time warp yeah. where like I just assumed everything from the past was still more recent. But that year was just 10 years long, and now I'm so much yeah, older. Also, I feel like that episode is from, like, 2013. Yeah. Like, that's an older episode. Yeah, it definitely probably is. Uh, I mean, that's where, honestly, the greatest phrase to come from that show comes from. With the, oh, you're just mashing you're it? You're just mashing it. Every like, <laughs> It's dude. like... One of the funniest oh, yeah. phrases you could ever hear. <laughs> I uh, why don't you give up? All right, you're just mashing it. Every, like, anytime somebody on the Phillies hits a home run, uh, hits two home runs, I uh, reply to the Phillies with that screen grab. <laughs> like if you're the just Phil- mashing it, the Phillies will post like two home run day from Reese Hoskins, and I'll just be like at Reese Hoskins. And then post that picture. Haven't gotten a single player to laugh at it once. Probably because Chase Saltley's not around. I think he, he would have found it funny. So, yeah. Yeah. How's your uh, relationship with your dad? Yeah. Not great yeah. like mine, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, oh, uh, Wikipedia claims, or Wikipedia says, Beck says, he's played this song 374 times live, which is... In a row? Yeah, in a row. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, even if it's not, that's a lot of times. That's a that's a lot to play one song. Yeah, you got to think. I mean, he's been around for fifteen years. It's 15 one of your more popular years songs. Times hundred dates a year. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, it adds up, and it's, it's one of his crazy. bigger songs. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. gonna be played just about every night. Yeah, still crazy to me. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. So, Dan, why don't you hit us with your number three pick? Okie dokie. So my number three pick for a song from a band, more than 10, comes to us from the often divisive uh, punk act AFI off their 2003 record, Sing the Sorrow. Um, This is, I think, this song, I'm sorry, the song called Dancing Through Sunday. And I think this record and this band are the perfect example for a band going major label and fucking knocking it out of the park. Like this was the first time they left nitro records after being there for fucking ever since their start. And they signed to dreamworks, which is hilarious. Um, and had this record produced by Jerry Finn and Butch Vig, Butch Vig, a fucking garbage, you know, produced records for Nirvana, like produced this album for them. And some people will be like, oh, no, I only like early, like, punk AFI. Or, like, I don't like the... Or I only like the later stuff when they were, like, complete dog shit because I'm a dumb person. But, like, this record was the... I feel like was the perfect middle ground. And when this record came out, I couldn't have liked it less. I hated this band <laughs> when it came out. Yeah, I did, I too. I was way too wrapped up in being tough and not wanting... Like, AFI was for, like, sad kids that wore, like, bracelets and stuff. And I wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah, um, especially later in their career. Yeah, yeah. and espe- oh yeah, like following this record, I'm not interested in any output this band has after this album. Yeah, um, this is this is the Pinkerton from this band. This okay. is like they changed it up and got kind of weird. Yeah, but I really liked it. There were some like some spooky goth tracks, like Sp- spooky, like uh, you know, like Silver and Cold and stuff. But like it also yeah, had, that's a great one. It also had some hinting of where the band was going in a bad direction with like girls not gray being the lead single 
was like, no, nah, that's really bad. And I think that's why I never got into it. Because I heard that song and went, no, nah, I don't like this. Yeah. Like, this isn't cool. I just don't like people who... I'm assuming Havoc's not his actual last name. No, that's definitely not his like, I, I've never actually looked into it. But like, I just don't like when people do the, the name and then something weird like that. Like first name. Like having like a hardcore pseudonym. Yeah, I don't like that. Being like Joey Terror or like if, Mikey if Madball. No, 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 no. If it's the band you're in, that's okay. different. Then it's just like a, hey, like my, my name, like me personally, my name's Dave. Everybody's name's fucking Dave. Like, yeah, it's easy to like 600 use, mics. Yeah. Can't so, all be Mike. So in that's, that's fine with me. When it's first name band, I'm cool with that. But when it's just like a random word that has nothing to do with your band, then I'm like, it. okay, you heard dork. it. You heard it here. Dave hates David Bowie and uh, Bob Dylan and uh, no, all, all those other bands. That's different. <laughs> That's How completely that? different, different because those are names. Havoc's not a last name. Yeah, there's Bowie. Yeah, but at like least it knife. is a name. Like I, I bet you there's somebody. There's definitely people named Bo without the I. I bet you there's Bowies out there. There's no Bowies out there. I bet I bet I can find one. Well, there had to be one to be the knife. I bet there's Havocs out there. If eh. we search the whole world. Maybe. I don't know. I just think it's corny when people do like a, a trying to sound dark pseudonym. Well, all right. He was a dark boy. He used I, to. I mean, that he was but, the first. They were the first band I remember seeing that was playing actual like hardcore punk. That had like their nails painted. Yeah. That would do like stage makeup and would like flat iron their hair. Their guitar player, Jade Puget, I think is how you say his name, is probably one of the prettiest ladies I've ever seen. <laughs> like he would come out in full, like full makeup and hair and like was was like so made up and they would yeah. they had stage clothes. That's true. I guess I guess it's part of the character. I just it's, it was what they did, man. It was a little bit a little bit of that, like misfits, a little bit yeah. like glam. Um, I I don't know, like I as see, I don't h- hate that part, and it makes sense when you add that all together. Like that's just, you know, that's just one piece of it. But I just, I that's always been a turnoff for me. I don't know what it is. I just it just bothers me. A rose like by it. any any other name will now, seem as ridiculous you, to Dave. Don't don't you do this now. <laughs> But I don't know. I always liked them. Uh, I didn't always like them. I used to hate them when I was a kid. But I think that was like probably some of my internalized shit of like. Well, sure. Like oh, everyone's going to think I'm lame if I like. Cause like Yeah. Or almost like not liking them because of the guy's name. Yeah. yeah. Or, or not liking them because like. I mean, it was mostly as a young teen. I didn't like them because of the other people that liked them. Yeah. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I think don't there like was some of that. People. I think there was some of that for me too. So. With that, Dave, that was uh, Dancing Through Sunday. So with that, uh, Dave, what is your what is your uh, third pick for a song from a band with over 10 albums? 10 or more, I hope, because these guys have 10. Um, <laughs> this is The Rabbit, The Bat, and The Reindeer by Dr. Dog. Um, one, of, one of my favorite bands, uh, local local guys Philly area um I wanted to I really wanted to use some one that wasn't one, one of the more popular songs so I went with this one these guys are just they're incredible 
every every record I've heard of theirs I loved. Even the early stuff that you know wasn't super attainable early on before uh, streaming services. Yeah, um, they're just fantastic. So where are they they. I just remember they used to always play like the Allentown Music Festival in Bethlehem. I, yep. I'm guessing they're from this general area. They're from Philly. Okay. Yeah, they're from Philly. Um, the drummer is like, I know, somebody I know lived with the drummer, and the drummer actually was recently, he was working on, working with the War on Drugs on their last record. Okay. Yeah, like he has a lot of, uh, a lot of parts that he, he used, or they used of his in, in the last record, which is pretty cool. Um, so this is, this song is off their fifth record, uh, titled Fate, came out in 2008. Pretty clever, rhymed. Um, lyrically, this is a song that's, uh, it's not super clear, um, but it's kind of about, well, I've, I've got a quote from the singer, but it's about just like kind of getting through like a real shitty situation that you might be in. Um, somebody did did ask him specifically what the meaning of the, the song was um, and the quote was it's basically a screed about reclaiming yourself from the trappings of a manipulative scenario maybe not the healthiest way to accomplish that but it is cathartic to indulge yourself in some all out venting sometimes um, very well put which you would expect from somebody to write lyrics this clever um, yeah. this is uh, this whole record Front to back, every single song on it is incredible. It's it, 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 the the way they like kind of alternate, and I don't, I can't remember if every one of their albums does this, where it's like one sings, then the next person sings, then the other person. Like they do that in this song, and it flows so well. It's just always been my favorite of theirs, and I think. It's just, it's weird to say that it's their poppiest to me, too. I don't really know. It's its hard to really put my finger on why I love it so much, but it really is my favorite of theirs. Is it the tambo? Because that's why I love it so Oh, much. always. I mean, you throw that in almost anything, and I'm into it. Yeah, everything's better with a little tambo. Of course. It's like cream friche, or like... Yes. You know what I mean? It's just like, just throw it on top, man. It'll just yeah. make it better. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's salt. It's salt, yeah, yeah, basically. The only time adding tambourine is not great is when it's like so, somebody's clearly girlfriend is on stage just oh, to, dude, nothing worse just than to the do drunk that person that just has a tambo yeah, uh, yeah that's the worst yeah. drunk drunk person with a tambo is never good no especially no, 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 never. especially if you hand it to someone who has no sense of time yes which is most people yeah <laughs> the majority of people will have yeah. no idea what to are do you with clapping it. on the one and three what yeah. are you doing <laughs> like, uh, boo this man <laughs> Um, yeah, so check out the whole record. The whole thing's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Dan, why don't you bring us your number two pick? All right. So I'm going to bring us down a little, but also a little, a little folky as well. Um, this is slowly over the last, like, so I love Bob Dylan. Love him a lot. This is off of freewheeling Bob Dylan, um, which was, uh, the dumb year this was this was released in uh 1963 on columbia records uh from bobby um it is his second studio album so this came right after the self-titled record this is pretty much when he moved to new york um this is his his big break here um a lot of these songs are 
lyrically about headlines in the paper that he's reading about civil rights movement, things like that, uh, the Vietnam War. And this record is, or this song is, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Um, I think this is probably one of the, this is probably my favorite Bob Dylan song at the moment. Um, it changes often. Uh, used to be mine was, my favorite was uh, The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll off of Time Zero Changer, which I still love, absolutely. But this song... And we've used it in an episode, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is, I feel like it's it's the other side of Bob. Like, the, the less politically conscious and just the more gentle songwriter. I mean, it's it sounds romantic, but at the same time, not. Um, I think there's a really good... My favorite lyric, obviously, I had to put Bob on here as he's probably the greatest lyricist in popular music that exists. I mean, he is, especially, I mean, his his sheer number of body of work is ridiculous yeah. of songs he's written. But And this this record especially is, I think, lyrically, it's incredible. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. this has Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. I mean, it's it's incredible. Man. Blown in the Wind. Blown in the Wind is on yeah. here, which he, he says that he wrote in 10 minutes. That's crazy. Um, Although, if you're that angry, I guess, when you're, like you said, reading the paper and learning all this stuff, you know? Yeah. When you're when you're that angry and that clever, it, it's probably not that hard to get it all out yeah, pretty man. quickly. And who knows? It's it's one of those, you know, it could have been rattling around in his head for 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, he exactly. finally put it down. But well, Especially uh, on your second record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you still got material left over from your whole life. Yeah. And this uh, this song here, I think, has my my favorite just little lyric of like, uh, we were just never real big on talking anyhow, so don't think twice. It's all right. Of just like the, it's almost like a song of a man talking to himself about things happening and like just being like you know almost like a, a self soothing of yeah. like you know don't think twice. It's all right. Or you know this relationship didn't work out. Things are going really bad with the war. The world's kind of falling apart, um, but like you know what, man? Like, j- you just put your head down, you'll get through it. Yeah. Um, or keep your head up, and you'll get through it. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't give it another thought. Just you know, you have to you have to get through. Yeah. Um, so whether you know, don't think twice is bad or not is up to the up to the listener. Which I also really love about a lot of, most of Bob's lyrics is oh, yeah. that they can be sort of facetious and not immediately presenting forwardly with the narrative and that yeah. when asked about it he refuses to tell you which is what you want yeah, you don't want to learn and like yeah. those interviews of him from like the early 60s in new york and everything or the mid 60s are so fucking good of like the reporters because i don't know what it was about but like england was very into what is this song about what's the story being told yeah because then like it's uh, almost people looking at it from like a classical standpoint of like, mm-hmm. well, if I know what it's about, then I can decide if your lyrics effectively convey that message. And right. It was just like, that's not for you. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. And he was like, that doesn't matter. Like <laughs> no, all matter. that matters and it is shouldn't how, to the listener. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, what is your song about? I don't know, man. What do you think it's about? If I wrote and a his, song that said, don't think twice, it's all right. And people are applying it to different situations in their life. And it's helping them. Why the fuck does it matter what I was thinking about when I or, read it? Or why yeah. would I? Why would I tell you that it's about something that means less to you? Yeah, it's like, dude, I'll never forget like, when oh, I it found means out so much to me because like my dad died. Yeah, and I heard this song and it made me think about that. Oh well, that song was actually about my wedding. 
So like, you're oh. dumb and you shouldn't have thought that. Oh, and then now it's, it's like, you know, now, you, now you're like, oh, yeah. cool. I just wasted all that time with my dad. Yeah. Like, why, why, would a, why would an artist do that? It's so dumb. I'll never forget there was an instance where I think it was the band was Cartel. And not that they were like a deep, lyrically advanced band, but like they put out a song and it was probably their biggest single. And somebody's like, oh, what's this about? Like, you know, people are really digging. He goes, oh, it's just about my girlfriend uh, thinking about joining a sorority. It's like, what's well, that's fucking dumb. Like, yeah. I don't care about that. That seems yeah, that's not relatable. That feels empty. It does because it was. And, you know, maybe it was good to learn that it was empty so you didn't have to listen to it anymore. But, like, most of the time, you don't want to know. No. You don't want to know that. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> it's better when you don't. Yeah. yeah it's, the, it's the classic, like, uh, you know, nothing they could tell you is as good as what's in your head. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, or, or like, you know, the fear of. Like when you, when you see like jaws, right. Mm-hmm. And the whole time it's not showing you the shark yes. and you're like, man, this is so scary. And then they show you the shark and you're like, ah, what the fuck? Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> you're like, that looks fake as shit. Cause your head, yes. your imagination of what that was, yes. was so much scarier, which is why it could ever possibly be, which is why in movies like Pulp Fiction, they have the suitcase which you never see what's inside of it. Whatever you're picturing it as is the best it's ever going to yeah. be because that's, yeah, we're in agreement here. That's the best way to look at some of the stuff. You don't, yeah, you don't need to know. It's not, it's whatever it means to you, not what it should mean, especially when the, the, the refrain is it's all right. Like that's something that can apply to a lot of shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's great. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a great phrase to keep with you. Exactly. Yep. Just Don't like Kendrick Lamar twice. said. Yeah. All right. And I think the other thing uh, that I'll note before we before we move on is some of Bob's most Ooh, what's the word I would use? His most um I don't want to say um a lot. I've been trying to stop doing that. Yeah, me too. His most conservative harmonica use. Okay. Where it's there. Yeah, that's a good point. But it's subtle yeah. and it's good. Yeah. It's not like, overbearing. It's know. not overbearing. It's not a lot of like, well, well, well. It's mm-hmm. not a lot of like trills and runs. It's just a couple little notes here mm-hmm. and there. And that's all you get. Like it's subtle. It's good. It comes in and closes it out a little at the end. More like cayenne than salt. Yeah. Very, so we're, yeah, yes, we're a little very fl- subdued. Little, yeah. Yeah. Like okay. I love little goes a long way. Yeah. A um, little saffron sprinkle. Yes. There you go. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not getting a lot because like that shit's $200 an ounce. Yeah, so. you got to pull each fucking petal out of the flower. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. So uh, with that, Dave, uh, what is your pick for your second favorite song from an artist with 10 or more records? All right. Up at number two for me is Out of Touch by Hall & Oates. So Hall & Oates have 18 studio albums, which was more than I was expecting. I knew they'd been around for a while and put out a lot of music, but 18 is quite a lot, really, if you think about it. It really is. Like, that's that's a lot of music. Um, this came off their 12th album, Big Bam Boom. Worst fucking album name, I think, you could have ever <laughs> chosen. Um, but better, who am I to criticize Hall & Oates? Better than sports. True. <laughs> Especially when it's like exclamation point when it's like a, a sports ball kind of band who like doesn't watch sports and they're like sports aren't I cool because I don't like something that's my personality um, anyway probably probably should stop hating on everybody so much um, <laughs> hate, 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 hate. yeah here we go again um, so this uh, this album came out in 1984 Big Bam Boom 
Um, it was actually the last number one single the band ever or band the, they ever had, um, which is kind of nuts. Weirdly, this is not on some of their greatest hits records, which I don't understand. This is one of their huh. best songs. Yeah, like I have seen, I think two of them that doesn't include this, which is absolutely absurd to me. Um, so, the idea for the song. Um, John Oates was kind of just like screwing around on a synth one day and um, got the part together and was like, oh, this is this is pretty good, but I don't think it's for uh, I don't think it's a good Hall and Oates song. So he was actually going to uh, I don't know if he was going to sell it or how he was going to work it out, but he was going to give it to another uh, Philly area band um, called the Stylistics and mm. the co-producer of the Big Bamboom record. Uh, was in the session with John and was like, "Oh no, you are not giving that away. Like that is that's going on our on your record. Like that's a yeah. Hall and Oates track." Well, you want to hand out blank checks, buddy? Yeah, like yeah. What are you just giving people gold for free? Um, probably not for free, but still, um, I think it was a wise decision. I'm sure the stylistics would have done a good, nice job. But uh, I happen to love this song and love the Hall and Oates version of it. I believe that the XX song that I mentioned a couple episodes ago samples this as well. Um, so yeah, just a, I mean, Hall Notes are amazing. They're, uh, they're absolutely one of the greatest greatest musical duos of all time. Yeah, man. And John Oates' local ties. Yeah, North Penn grad. Uh, Daryl Hall's from Pottstown, I think, right? I think he's a Delaware guy. No, he's from PA. I didn't know that. I thought he was... I think he's just from a little, fir- like you know, like ten or so miles away. I thought he was down. All right, it's fine. Either way, yeah. either way. John Oates literally. I remember them talking about they met at University of Delaware. Oh, okay. And then they started playing shows at, at Temple. Yeah. Well, we. I mean, John Oates went to our high school, so yeah. not the same time as us. But like everybody who grew up in this area, like talks about it. Yeah. So Hall and Oates, love him. All right, Dan. Why don't you hit us with your number one pick? So my number one song from an artist with 10 or more records comes from The Immortal, The Perfect, The Incredible Slayer. This song is called Postmortem. It is off of their 1986 classic, Rain and Blood. Um, This is the third studio album from Slayer on Death Jam Recordings, which is... The best thing ever. It is literally the coolest the thing about them. The fact that Rick Rubin saw this band in a bar and went, we're signing them right now. Yeah. Um, this is this is probably one of my favorite guitar solos uh, from Slayer. Um, it's very almost exclusively like trilly and just like big bends. Like yeah. There's very little actual articulated notes, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, this is so this record the big thing about this is this is often considered one of the greatest heavy metal records of all time and whereas I do love Metallica very much I think that Slayer is Slayer took what Metallica was doing and just pushed it an nth of degree further yeah I would agree with that Um, the other big thing I like about this song and why I didn't choose uh, Raining Blood on here is because this also has the moment in it 
from Tamarea where he hits that really high falsetto note in it oh. too that disappeared from records as they went on later um, <laughs> as they decided to like start getting tougher yeah. and like more intense the um, classic Phil Anselmo yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible man he hits it and it's so high uh, Rolling Stone named this uh, in 2017 they did a list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time and they picked this as number 6 behind Anthrax uh, Megadeth and other records that are not as good. I don't agree with that so, at all. So yeah, it's, I do not agree with it's that. It's fucking slightly. real dumb, and it's the reason Rolling Stone is a bunch of assholes. Like Anthrax. Yeah. Yep. Anthrax. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Whatever, guys. Um, this album was Slayer's first one to get on the Billboard 200, peaking at number 94, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Um, <laughs> It's just really funny that this like that this got so far. I mean, I know. this record's so ridiculous. Uh, Dave Lombardo was the drummer on this record. Uh, I still think the greatest drummer Slayer ever had. They kicked him out a while back, and then he came back, and then it's, it's a whole fucking nightmare. Um, this is also one of the few songs that both music and lyrics are entirely by Jeff Hanneman, R.I.P., um, who is the guy that's not Carrie King and Slayer. Uh, <laughs> you may know him as... <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like this is ridiculous, man. It's produced by Glenn Friedman. Um, Wait, Glenn Friedman produced this? He has one of the greatest Instagram accounts, I think, of all time. Does he really? Dude, he—if it's the same guy, um, it, I think it is because he just posts like skate pictures and like music pictures from like the early '90s. So it's just like it's it's super cool. Yeah, follow him on Instagram. You'll see just like people, like very candid photos of like famous skaters, famous musicians, just a bunch of super cool people. Yeah, like very candid photos of them. Yeah, it's no, really, he's, really cool. he's an insane photographer. And I also misquoted the piece that I read. He is not the. <laughs> oh, he's, he's not? not the producer. Of oh, this okay. Uh, but he was involved. He was the one that got the phone call from the suicidal tendencies because oh. he produced their record. I'm sorry. So, okay. Rick Rubin, after producing suicidal tendencies record. Okay. That makes more sense. Got a call from Friedman who told him, Hey man, we're going to this bar to see this band play. They're supposed to be really great. And he was like, okay. So Rubin went with him gotcha. and they saw Slayer. Okay. And he immediately signed them to a record contract. They had an album out called hell awaits. Um, and he was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get in, I gotta get in on this. Like they need to be in on this. Um, so Hanneman did pass away, um, in, I believe 2014. Oh really? It was that long ago? Damn this time warp. I keep finding myself in. All right. So Jeff Hanneman who passed away in May of 2013, um, was basically like one of the band's big, I mean, main writers. Carrie yeah. King is also credited on a lot of songs, but I feel like Hanneman did a lot of their lyrical stuff too. He wrote a lot of the songs that you remember, like, uh, you know, rain and blood. He wrote, you know, um, also what's it called? He wrote, uh, angel of death about the song that is literally about Joseph Mangala. Um, you know, Slayer did spooky stuff, man. They yeah. were, I mean, it's a metal band. What I mean, they were a metal band and they were, so much more metal than Metallica was. Yeah. Yeah, um, they were definitely further. They were I mean like as much as I love Metallica like what is better what is more metal than just the opening for Raining Blood? 
just that dun dun dun. Like it's yeah, that's a good point. It's a great. They also it's never insane. wrote Enter Sandman. Yeah, they never wrote Enter Sandman or any of Load or Reload. Yeah. But they did write Diablos and Musica, and they did go like new metal for a little bit. Yeah. Which is pretty bad. Yeah. Like they have point. a whole album that sounds like it could be by Sepultura, and it's like really oh, rough. Oh, that's a name. But I then wish they did swerve again. back around. They put out a record called uh, God Hates Us All. Okay. That is probably Sepultura. them on their way. Uh, Slayer did. No, I'm saying like that. That's who he hates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it kind of like brought them back into all of a sudden they had a song people were really into again. Um, I remember that was the first CD that my mom told me she wouldn't buy me. Nice. Um, very when nice. I was very young, she was like, "Dan, you can buy that CD if you want to, but I'm not buying that." Okay. And I was like, "Okay, fair enough, right, mom. I will find <laughs> like, a way." Yeah. Like yeah. you, you know, go cut people's lawns, do whatever yeah. you got to do, deliver papers, like. Get your own money, but like I'm not paying for that. Yeah, and I was like, fair. And it was like a huge white cover that just says "God hates us all" on it. The back cover is like a Bible with a bunch of bloody nails driven. Yeah, it makes it. sense for a mom not to want yeah. her kid to have that. It's yeah. pretty. It's That's pretty. Up. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah, uh, with what the material is going to be inside. And that was like peak, like people freaking out about. Back then, that was the '90s. Everybody thought that metal music made people murderers. Yeah, yeah, like, like they literally thought that. Definitely right. Ooh, I don't know if it was pre-Columbine, but I'm going to say around then. pre-Columbine. Probably, but people still thought that It was back then. People still <laughs> post, thought that. Post-Satanic Panic of the 80s, pre-Columbine yeah. of the 99. All, all bad stuff. Like yeah. All stuff your moms wanted you to have no yeah, part there, of. Yeah, there couldn't have been a more... I mean, like, I guess there's Cannibal Corpse, which I could yeah. have brought up to her, but like... Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um. Anyway, we're meandering a little. So, Dave... A little bit. What is your first pick by an artist with over 10 albums? All right. Another one within the genre. Uh, up at number one for me is It's the Same Old Song by by Four Tops, not The Four Tops. I think it's Four Tops. Um, one of, just one of those classic, all-time great. Your whole family loves it. You love it. It's a perfect song. Four Tops, 27 studio albums. That's pretty impressive. That's really impressive. It's really impressive. I mean, granted, they started a long time ago, but a lot of people didn't, you know, always make it to the year 2000 who started in music. Also, the big thing, too, is back then, albums weren't as much of a thing. Yeah. Singles were what bands, especially... That's true. For lack of a better term, but like R&B groups would just bang out singles. You know what I mean? Like, The Temptations... A lot of their music, like, those albums are essentially just compilations. That's true. And it's funny you say that because that is going to come up again uh, in a second. So this was off of their second album in 1965, appropriately titled The Four Tops Second Album. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Right to the meat. Yep. Yep. Uh, It reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100, which, as we've said in previous episodes, you know, for, for what was... You know, a black artist at that time—that's impressive. I mean, they were on the R&B yeah, that charts. Wasn't easily done. Yeah, not 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 easy to accomplish back then. So, it was written by the incredibly famous Motown production group of Holland Dozier and Holland. Yeah, um, so there's there's a little bit of con- or I don't want to say controversy, but there's a little bit of debate about the origins of the song and how it was written. So, there. There's a version of this that came out in 2017 that was recorded by the Supremes. And some people believe that 
it was originally written for the Su Supremes. And that version that came out in 2017 was proof of that. There's another theory um, that in June of 1965, uh, this isn't a theory, this part actually happened. Uh, originally, the Four Tops were on Columbia Records, and they had just put out uh, uh, Sugar Pie Honey, uh, I can't help myself, Sugar Pie Honey Budge, and Columbia Records, who was their old label, was trying to like capitalized on the success of that and then re-released a song that they had recorded on that label and Barry Gordy apparently that day was like within 24 hours there's going to be a new Four Tops single and they were just like oh fuck what are we going to do yeah because they were trying to take his airplay <laughs> yeah exactly and he was like yeah. no we're taking that shit right back so there's a quote from Abdul Duke Fakir who was the tenor in Four Tops uh, he was saying that basically, like, at 3 o'clock that afternoon, the Holland Brothers and Dozier wrote that song, like, the same day. Um, he says, uh, Lamont Dozier and I were both a little tipsy, and he was changing channels on the radio. He said, it sounds like the same old song. And then he said, wait a minute. So he took I Can't Help Myself and reversed it using the same chord changes. The next day, we went to the studio and recorded it, and then they put it on acetate, shipped it out to disc dock, and shipped it out to disc jockeys across the country. So I like to believe that version, that they literally just in a day were just like, fuck, what do we do? We can't do that. It sounds like the same old song. And then like record scratch, they all look at each other with like happy oh. eyes, like, ah, and then and then bang it out. That's well, that's like, the version of this I, I I choose to believe. Um Yeah, I mean it's just it's just it's a feel good, old timey Motown great song like there's there's nothing to hate about this i was saying to you earlier i feel like this is this song if you saw this thing live it would be heavy like yeah. the way it starts like dun, 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 and like dun, the opening dun, dun, like dun, the dun, the fact that like the snare immediately is like oh yeah it's hitting it's hitting like every it's down quick it's real coming hard. at it yeah. like it's like oh, yeah. oh shit i would have like you could do a punk cover of that song pretty easily nobody steal our idea yeah nobody you didn't hear it no you didn't didn't hear anything um, yeah, so Four Tops are great. One of the, you know, 27 records get you on a list. I mean, that's that's an impressive body of work. Um, and Levi Stubbs, one of the greatest vocalists. You know, not that Temptation was short on talented vocalists, but Levi Stubbs is incredible. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah He's defi it's definitely, it's like him, Ruffin, and Stevie Wonder. Yes. Right, from like that yeah. era. Of, yeah. That era of... Yeah. And all three of I them guess have. Smokey. have you could throw Smokey in there too. Yeah, you, you, we probably should. That's that's a good point. No disrespect. Um, all t all insanely talented. Smokey Robinson, the guy who hasn't aged since 1953. Yeah, he literally looks the same. Like he's 12 years old. It's un unbelievable. It's because he's so little that all of the youth stays in. His I think body. you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Like he's the same size as he was at 10, so he just hasn't aged. <laughs> he's. Do you ever see? Was it Goosebumps where they had the. <laughs> There's an episode where the kids were just sleeping in Tupperware containers yeah, man. every night. They put them in Tupperware. <laughs> That's definitely what Smokey Robinson's doing. And the shooter like doing. burp the edge of it. <laughs> Keep them fresh. Yep, that's that's how that's the secret to Smokey Robinson. Dude, goosebumps. To does it. That's the hyperbaric changers. Yeah, yeah. Michael yeah. Jackson used to do that shit. Jimmy too. Rollins too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a guy who doesn't look very old. No. And To doesn't really either. There's something to this Tupperware thing. All right, so. That was a fun one. Like like we said at the beginning, really hard to narrow down. I feel like my list ended up being just like five artists 
and songs that I felt like talking about. But like, isn't that kind way, of what it always? It really is. is. I mean, there's no like hard and fast rules to how I rank things, you know. So I guess you're right. Uh, but anyway, this was this was fun. I think it gave us a good opportunity to talk about some artists and some songs that maybe we haven't had a chance to yet, or bring up some songs from artists we have talked about that uh, you know we just we just finally got a chance to speak on. So um, let us know what you thought on social media. Uh, about this episode and some stuff you might want to hear in the future because you know we want to keep this this train rolling and uh we may run out of ideas before you do so let us know and don't forget to follow along on your favorite podcasting app so you're kept up to date on new episodes as soon as they're released dan tell everyone where they can find us all right you can find us on twitter and instagram under at dnd music factory that's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at, at Lukewarm Steve Austin on Instagram and D.